All right, so today's crazy. Welcome to Couch Potato Diary. I'm Peter Klein. Thank you very much for downloading and listening today. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. Uh, if you want to get me on social media, Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Primetime Klein. You can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash primetimepk. The music you're listening to right now provided by Ways to Talent. Find them on Instagram at Ways to Talent with X's where the A's would be. So, holy shit, a lot is going on. Most of it from the NBA today. There's a little bit from the NHL as well. I'm trying to keep up, and at some point, you just gotta say, fuck it, let's go. So, fuck it, let's go. Um, This feels like it happened about a month ago, but Kevin Durant last night, with one of the all-time great playoff performances of any sport, just an absolutely incredible night, plays all 48 minutes, uh, scores 49 points in the process, helping the Brooklyn Nets to a stunning victory over the Milwaukee Bucks after Milwaukee fell behind, or after Milwaukee, sorry, jumped out to a lead that I believe at one point reached 22. So there are a number of different layers to this. And admittedly, I was a bit more fired up about it this morning, and then everything just kept happening. And again, at some point, you just have to say, okay, We're doing the damn thing. Let's go. Um, But this is still, even with everything going on, the biggest story in the NBA, I think. And there are, like I said, there are layers to this. We'll start with the Kevin Durant aspect of this. And no one is going to be saying, oh, wow, look at this breakout performance for Kevin Durant because the, the dude's a finals MVP. But I do think this is one of the first times in a very long time that Kevin Durant is going to do something like this and probably get the credit he deserves for it. Because in those finals against LeBron, where where he is winning championships, as crazy as it is with how stacked that team is, they do not win those titles without Kevin Durant. And he, admittedly, with substantially more help than LeBron James had, but Kevin Durant outplayed LeBron James in those finals. And he is the reason why the Golden State Warriors won that. It is Steph's team and a number of different layers to that, but Kevin Durant was the best player on that team. Make no mistake about it. But he's not going to get a lot of the credit for that because that was a super team and and all this, that, and the other thing. And if Kevin Durant would have done this with a couple of healthy players out there, it would have been, ah, yeah, but look who he has out there. Instead, this was quite the, hey, in case y'all forgot, I'm the fucking man performance from Kevin Durant. You have James Harden, who, James Harden last night looked like, if you're playing in high school basketball, and you only have a few guys, something happened, some guys got sick or hurt or whatever, you have to call in like a dude from the volleyball team. It's like, hey, just kind of stand out of the way. Um, and if someone comes at you, just kind of <laughs> swipe at them. Because James Harden was not providing a whole lot. And we'll get to that aspect, don't worry. But th- this was Kevin Durant essentially on his own, just being like, no, we're not losing this game. And, and it was an unbelievable performance. And just a, a reminder that this is still one of the baddest guys in the NBA. And when we are having conversations about who is the best player in the league, generally it starts and ends with LeBron James. And that is going to continue to be the case, and I'm not going to use this playoff as a reason to maybe knock that perspective, but we keep trying to put Kawhi in this, and we keep trying to put Giannis in this conversation, and we keep forgetting that Kevin Durant should be, at worst, the number two in this conversation behind LeBron James. And last night was quite the reminder of that. Like there's just, I'm going to get into some of the different ways I would have liked to have seen the Milwaukee Bucks handle the Kevin Durant situation. But there was just too many points last night where it was like, there's nothing we can do. Like he's just, because of how tall he is and because of how skilled he is and because of just every attribute that he brings, it, it is tough 
to defend him at times. And Middleton, a couple of occasions, defended him as well as you possibly could, and he still hit it. And those are the ones where you just go, yeah, he's going to do it. Um, I cannot stress enough how incredible I I thought last night was. And and again, it it is just, it is a reminder that, hey, he might have have been on some amazing teams, and he has been blessed with some amazing teammates over the year. But he is, over the years, sorry, he is still an incredible basketball player and isn't just, oh, well, he's got all these guys around him. No, 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 no. This was, this was Rucker Park KD showing up last night and just a a nice reminder. Hey, I'm better than all of you. And now you know it. Shout out MJF. The other aspect of this, what the actual fuck were the Milwaukee Bucks doing? I just, I, I can't, I just, I can't. I, I was watching the game last night and I did not have any money on the game. I am not a Milwaukee Bucks supporter by any stretch of the imagination. Don't hate the team. The Raptors beat them in the 2019 Eastern Conference Finals. Tough to hate on them for that. But um, admittedly, I still get Brooke Lopez flashbacks every now and then. But yeah, I, I have nothing against the Milwaukee Bucks, but I was not rooting for them. And I was getting angry last night and I was appreciating what we were watching because it, there was just, there was no plan B. To any of it. The plan B was to throw Connaughton at him for a double team. And it's like, if Connaughton's not throwing his arms in the air, Kevin Durant doesn't even know he's there. But th- there was no make him work harder on the defensive end. There was no, hey, let's try to give him a couple of different looks or try to da 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 It was, we're going to keep Tucker on him the whole time and then maybe we'll put Middleton on him. That's going to be an adjustment. And on defense, we're just going to let him stay on Middleton and Middleton's just going to stay out of the way. Like there was just, there were so many occasions that I was so frustrated. And I think the thing that bugged me the most was how Milwaukee attacked this game offensively. Um, and it worked in the first half, but still you have James Harden who has zero lateral movement because of his injury. And there was a couple of times where Holiday would just blow by him. And it's like, that is there all the time. He is either just going to swipe at you and foul you or just let you have a clear path to the basket. Either way, that there isn't a whole lot of resistance coming from Harden. And that's just, that is always there. And I don't know if Milwaukee was just trying to be too cute about it and just not exploit that so that the Brooklyn Nets didn't come up with an adjustment for it. But I, I just, I can't imagine... Steve Nash and company was like, oh no, James Harden's going to be a lockdown defender tonight. Like they, they kind of knew what they had and more specifically what they didn't have with James Harden, but you're still not taking advantage of that opportunity. And then the other thing that really frustrated me was there were possessions late. Uh, I, there was one about a minute 24 left in the fourth quarter. Um, you, you have Giannis posting up down on the, the right block and Middleton is just standing at the top of the just standing at the top of th- by the, the three-point line, and he's not doing anything. And you're letting Kevin Durant, who up until this point has played 46 minutes and 34, 35 seconds, and you're just letting him rest with the game on the line. Like, if you want if you want to run ISO for Giannis in that situation, fine. He is your best player. You win or lose with him. That I have zero problem with that. But I would have Middleton looking like Steph Curry just running around like a chicken with his head cut off on the other side, going through Lopez screens and going through just everyone screening for him, even if he's not going to get the ball, just so that Kevin Durant has to work a little bit harder. There would have been times I would have tried to get got um, Giannis on him on a switch and just back him down and beat him up a little bit. Like just Kevin Durant is an underrated, I think, defensive player. And so I can understand not wanting to go just right at him. But there was a couple of times where it's like, hey... 
can we maybe mix in a couple hits at him every now and then just to try to wear him out a little bit more? Because again, what you are doing is not working. And th there was just, there was no deviation from anything. And I do understand from uh, a team perspective, there there is a little bit of, we're just going to do what we do. And we're, if they beat us, they beat us. But adjustments have to be a part of your game plan. And going in, James Harden goes from being out to being doubtful to being into the starting lineup. You have to understand that this isn't a guy who's coming in at 100%. And so while maybe not a ton of your offense runs through guys who Harden's going to be guarding, make it so. The Atlanta Hawks absolutely just wore out Derrick Rose in that first round series. And I, I don't think that the, the Philadelphia 76ers or to a certain extent, the New York Knicks have done a good enough job of making Trey Young work in, in these series. But like, it, it's just, you're getting to this point now. Milwaukee, if you win that game, all you have to do is win on home court and you are going off to the Eastern Conference Finals, either against an underdog Atlanta Hawks team or against a banged up Philadelphia 76ers team who your star player Giannis just loves to kick the shit out of. So... Things are opening up so very well for the Milwaukee Bucks, and just to have no adjustment in that game offensively was crazy. The defense blew my fucking mind. So, on a number of occasions, I just, I did like how they defended at all. And this is a very good defensive team, and I, 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 I understand. I'm coming from this from a perspective where, like, the height of my basketball career is the regional playoffs in Saskatchewan high school basketball. So I am fully understanding that these guys know more about the sport of basketball than I do and know more about their teammates than I do. And this is totally this thing I talk about with my therapist where I already start to see what the criticism is going to be and try to jump on it beforehand when I should just be getting to my point. So just fuck off with all of that. Because while these guys are the experts and these guys are the professionals and they're paid very, very well to do this, sometimes they fuck up. And the Milwaukee Bucks fucked up last night. You look at certain occasions, James Harden was guarded either by Drew Holiday, one of the better defenders on that team, or by Brooke Lopez, who, if nothing else, can alter shots at the rim. James Harden is going fucking nowhere. You, you think there's going to be a, a sick backdoor cut from James Harden? No! I could have guarded James Harden last night. And like there, there's just in the, the second quarter, Harden's just standing up by the, again, by the, the top of the three-point line and just picking their defense apart with passes. And I understand like he still has a shot and he still produced some moments in this game, but James Harden isn't going anywhere. And so to keep one of your best defenders on him late takes away from the rest of your team. And then you have Brooke Lopez who... While Giannis is the best shot blocker on that team, Lopez can at least alter some things, and you just take him right out of that realm because he's up by the three-point line guarding James Harden. I just, I did not get that at all. And then what really frustrated me, while Kevin Durant is just stealing the Bucks' soul, you have Giannis guarding Jeff Green. And the reason that frustrates me so much is if you're going to have Giannis on a guy who can shoot threes, fine. I, I will listen to that. And I will even listen to the fact that last night Jeff Green was playing well enough that you have to have someone watching him. But if you're going to have Giannis on someone who's shooting threes and kind of killing you, put him on Kevin Durant. This guy is supposed to be one of the best defensive players in the league. That guy is killing you. If you don't want to do that for 48 minutes, fine. Do it for three and you might win that game. Because KD late, while there was a couple of times again, Middleton was contesting well and KD just 
wasn't going to be denied. He might have been with Giannis's length on him instead. And again, it's just making a guy who played 48 minutes make him work harder. And the, the Milwaukee didn't. Uh, the, the, the Milwaukee, jeez, the Milwaukee Bucks didn't make him do that. And okay, if if you don't want to have Giannis guarding Kevin Durant, I don't understand it. But to each their own. Then you gotta have him on someone where he can leave to help protect the paint. And there was a couple of times where Durant would get into the paint and Giannis is kind of caught in no man's land because if he leaves, then you're leaving Jeff Green who went five for five from three um, all alone. But if you don't, then there's your best rim protector who is out in no man's land. And it, it just, it left him in a no win situation. So in that spot, you either put Giannis on the guy who's destroying you or you put him on a guy who's not doing a fucking thing so that he can help off of that guy and alter some things. I, I just, I, I did not like any way that the Milwaukee Bucks attacked the, the Brooklyn Nets last night. And th there are going to be, and, and there have been, people calling out Giannis, who he needs to just stand up like, hey, I am taking that guy. And to a certain extent, yeah, huh. like, I hate these types of comparisons, but it is true. If that was happening and Michael was out there, MJ's guarding that dude. I don't care if it's fucking Shaq. MJ's like, hey, at least give me a couple of looks at him. Um, if it's LeBron James, even a couple of years ago, LeBron is like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to guard that guy. At least for a couple of possessions down the stretch. Like, even Kyle Lowry would do that. But I'm not saying that that was Giannis not doing that. I put this 100% on the coach. And I, I have never been a Coach Bud fan. And so maybe there is some bias coming with this. But the lack of adjustments and the lack of just awareness of the flaws that the, the Brooklyn Nets had in this situation and your lack of ability to take advantage of them might cost you the series. And there's a chance they still win this. The, the Nets are going to have nothing left for game six and then you have a one game game seven. So the, the Milwaukee Bucks might still win this. But I was thinking before, like, has there ever been a coaching change mid playoff series? There might have been at some point. I... I didn't look it up, but I just, I felt like the mistakes last night to get so, I don't even want to say out coached. Cause I, I don't know if Steve Nash had a brilliant coaching plan of just, Hey, give second best player in the world, the ball for 48 minutes. I don't even want to say out coached, but just the poor coaching, I think really cost the Milwaukee bucks. And if they lose the series, you can make the argument that it cost them a title. You see everything else going on right now where Chris Paul is dealing with COVID and Kawhi Leonard is out and Joel Embiid is playing on one knee and that one knee has to support a huge human being. And the Atlanta Hawks are way over their skis right now. And then the team you are playing is missing two all-stars and it is Kevin Durant, Joe Harris, who isn't shooting at all. That also bugged the shit out of me. Like, at, very, very late in the game. The, the Brooklyn Nets sub in Joe Harris and they take Giannis off Jeff Green. It's like, okay, and put him on Harris. It's like, that's the worst one. What are you doing? I just, none of it made any sense. But you, you have Kevin Durant out there uh, with, with basically no one. Like Jeff Green has a great game. Jeff Green and Blake Griffin playing well should not be enough. And it, it's just like, it, it is set up perfectly for the Milwaukee Bucks now to win a championship, at least to get to one. And if they blow this opportunity, like that, that is inexcusable. You, the, the, there has to be a coaching change. I, I would seriously consider doing it tonight, to be perfectly frank. Um, I'm overreacting greatly, but that, that was just such 
a horrible coaching job and such a horrible loss for the Milwaukee Bucks that they better make this just a speed bump on their way to a championship because everything has broken well for them. They are the healthiest team in the playoffs by a ton that remain. And you have the guy who's supposed to be the heir apparent to LeBron James and he just got cooked. And then it's the, the, the missing free throws down the stretch. Like he is so far in his head on this. And I am I am a huge Giannis fan and I really don't want to get into hot takery about how overrated he is. But holy hell, man. Like at, at some point, you got to do something to stop the momentum of that game. It can't just be on Drew Holiday or any of those guys. Like it, it has to be you doing something to figure this game out. And he just didn't. And in moments where they needed him from the free throw line, he just didn't. And he drops a ball late. Like just all of these mistakes, you can't have them happen. So I'm not on the Giannis is overrated train yet, but I'm at least looking at what time it departs because that's just, that is the entire organization. That is a performance that can't happen. Even have like, try to get it switched so that Harden is on Forbes and Forbes is just running around making him work. Like just do almost literally anything else. And all of this might not matter at all because what do the Brooklyn Nets now have left for game six? Like you have Kevin Durant just played 48 minutes. James Harden was out there for most of the game as well on one leg. I don't know what can be done over the next couple of days. Like if you're the Brooklyn Nets, you're telling telling Kevin Durant, you're either in yoga or you're sleeping all day. You're doing nothing else. And James Harden, we're just going to, blast the hell out of you with a Terragun for a while. Theragun? Terragun? Theragun would make more sense, like a therapy gun. Either way, the things, shooting you in the back of the leg with those for the whole day to try to get you ready because there's just, there isn't a whole lot left there. And if you're Brooklyn, you kind of got best case scenario based off of A, all the things we talked about with the Milwaukee Bucks anyway. Um, But B, like Jeff Green's not going to have a better game than that. I don't even think Blake Griffin's going to have a better game than that. He's not getting enough credit, but he kept Brooklyn in that game as much as they were early on. Like it would have been an absolute shit show if Blake Griffin hadn't been in there early. The upside from a, a Brooklyn perspective is that maybe you get a little bit more from Joe Harris and maybe James Harden is a touch healthier, but I, I just, I can't imagine that. So from a, a Brooklyn perspective, Game six feels like a very much uphill climb based on everything you had to go through for game five. So maybe this opens up and Milwaukee is able to to take this championship. But even now, you're just looking at it side-eyed. A whole lot has happened in the NBA today. Uh, Chris Paul, apparently in COVID protocol right now, he is out indefinitely. This is one where I'm I'm not going to get too worked up about it from a Phoenix Suns perspective yet need a lot more information on what he's actually dealing with and what is actually going on. But if it's just, oh, he might be out for 10 to 14 days. Well, I mean, at least six of those is going to be spent while the Phoenix Suns aren't doing anything. And like, is he, how much practicing were you going to do with Chris Paul at this point? Anyway, like the the dude probably has a pretty good grasp on what's going on here when you're playing still in June. So I don't know if the CP3 thing is that much of an issue, but it's just, it's a bit of a scare because he has been just so amazing. This, this whole postseason, and he has been the best story this whole postseason. And so to have the potential of missing out on him for even a couple of games, you, you just you don't want that to happen. The big one is Kawhi Leonard, as he is out with an ACL injury. Um, 
some talk he might miss the rest of the Clippers series, which would be a devastating blow for them because he has been as close to 2019 Toronto Raptors Kawhi Leonard uh, as we have seen, just taking things over against Dallas and then the the massive dunk against the Utah Jazz and just taking that game over as well. And this is where everyone gets on Paul George, but this is now your opportunity to, like you just saw what Kevin Durant did, you do that now. And I understand Paul George is not Kevin Durant. Paul George might think he's Kevin Durant though. And if you want to give yourself the playoff P bullshit that you tried last year, this is your time. You take this over and beat this Utah Jazz team because you, you are not dealing with near the volume of injuries that other teams are. And if you're as bad a dude as you say you are, this needs to be your time to shine. So that this is going to be a, a very big Paul George legacy moment for the LA Clippers and, and for Paul George and, and a real sense of what do they have with him. Um, with all of this, LeBron James tweeting out a uh, quote here. They all didn't want to listen to me about the start of the season. I knew exactly what would happen. I only wanted to protect the well-being of the players, which ultimately is the product and benefit of our game. I'm saying those a little bit louder because he all caps locked. These injuries aren't just part of the game. It's the lack of pure rim rest before Pure rim rest rest before starting back up. Eight, possibly nine all-stars has missed playoff games most in league history. This is the best time of year for our league and fans, uh, for our league and fans, but missing a ton of our favorite players. It's insane. If there's one person that knows about the body and how it works all year round, it's me. I speak for the health of our players and I hate to see this many injuries this time of year. Sorry, fans. Wish you guys were seeing all your fave guys right now. And then he would go on to say, and I know all about the business side too, slash factors, so don't even try me. I get it. And then a prayer's up to the claw. On one hand, you see what he's saying. Because the from all the, the accounts that you hear, the league basically just surprised these guys with, oh, hey, by the way, we're starting this a month earlier than you, than you all thought. But you, you can see the effects of trying to jam this much competitive basketball in right away. Um, with the, the bubble just wrapping up in October and then you're starting the season again in December. Like that is, that isn't enough time that, that is lost. And I know I did a, um, uh, why am I blanking on the, the, the correct term? But the, I know I got on the rest thing for the NBA this year and how frustrating it was that star players were, were missing games. I, I don't, I put some of it on the players, but I, I do think a lot of it is the league kind of has to understand like the, these guys if you want these guys to play a full season the full season has to be a little bit less than it is now and I know some people are going to scoff at that but I, I do think that we are certainly heading toward the end of an 82 game season I understand this one was 72 but jamming 72 games into that quick of a time just felt really really rushed and the the NHL I thought did a better job when they abbreviated their schedule I thought basketball kind of needed to do that as well and I understand you're trying to get as much back as you can um and now maybe we're seeing that some of the rest wasn't even enough because there are just a ton of injuries with these guys now and it really really does suck and now you have the star player of the league the face of the league by leaps and bounds calling the NBA out for it it's pretty interesting time for sure. Uh, a couple other notes. The Dallas Mavericks and Donnie Nelson have parted ways after 23 seasons. Nelson was the team's GM. There have been a lot of pieces written over the last little bit about what, what's going on in Dallas, but just strictly from a roster management situation, 
um, it, it's clear that this team needs to be better. Like, Luka was the best player in the playoffs of the first round, and it still wasn't enough to get the Dallas Mavericks into the second round. And, like, Kristaps Porzingis did not play as well as he could have, but other than that, like, you got pretty well best-case scenario from a lot of your role players. It's just their best-case scenario isn't enough. So there's certainly an elevation of this roster that needs to happen. Quickly, Scott Brooks is out in Washington. That's going to be an interesting job. Um... Russell Westbrook being there, he's always going to be him. But Bradley Beal is clearly for real. Uh, pardon the, the the rhyming there. And then I kind of like some of the other pieces that they have there. Guys like Hachimura, uh, guys like Gafford. There's, there's a couple pieces to like with Washington now. Like, I, I think they're slowly building themselves back up into relevancy. If they can get another dude there, like instead of Bradley Beal leaving to go somewhere else, if you can bring in another guy to play with Bradley Beal and limit Russell Westbrook's Russell Westbrookness. I think there's something there in Washington. I don't know if it's a title contender, but I think there is something there in Washington. And Stan Van Gundy is out with the New Orleans Pelicans. This will mean three coaches in three years for Zion Williamson. Stan Van never really seemed like a good fit with New Orleans. And they just, when we talk about coaching decisions affecting the teams, it just felt like you needed a bit more coaching-wise, to help this team get over the hump that you had with this New Orleans team. And you also see the pressure that New Orleans faces having a star player. You just saw what happens when you waste some of the years of a star player. That guy wants to go to Los Angeles if you're New Orleans. So the the Pelicans, the, the, the clock is certainly ticking with Zion Williams in there, and they need to get this thing figured out. The music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram, at Wasted Talent, with X's where the A's would be. You can also find their producer on Instagram, at Tommy Fresh Music, and check out their new song, Drowning, out now. The Stanley Cup playoffs continue as well as we are into the final four. Vegas and Montreal, Tampa Bay and the Islanders, the Tampa Bay Islander series all square after a Tampa Bay win last night. Not not a ton to break down from this one. It's just Tampa Bay's better than the Islanders, and they proved that. New York picks up the, the win in game one. If you're a Tampa Bay fan, I don't know if that really phases you all that much. You knew that this was going to be a difficult series, but I, I still believe the talent will win out from a, a Tampa Bay Lightning side of things and again going back to the last episode spare me with the I'm with the room with the cap thing because I, I don't care and I'm never going to care um Nikita Kucherov is fantastic so is Braden Point the depth on this Tampa Bay team is just phenomenal They're, they are a fantastically built hockey team and I just I would love to go more in depth. I just think they're better than the Islanders. And because of that, I think they're going to win. That's cost me a couple of times, like in every Islander series and in every Habs series as well. Um, But yeah, I just like Tampa Bay is just too good to get caught by a New York Islanders team. They they can be relentless too. Like that Pittsburgh series, Pittsburgh didn't have a second to breathe and Tampa Bay getting some of that breathing room in game two, I, I thought was rather important for them. We covered the Tampa Bay cheated story on the last podcast. Now we're getting to, it's an oldie but a goodie, Vegas cheated. Why do we hate fun? Like, seriously. Like, I understand it would be great if your team was fun, but I don't get how you can watch the Vegas Golden Knights and how well they're playing 
and try to figure out, oh, well, what's wrong with this? Like, it's just, it is so stupid and I hate it. Um, like, were, were the rules for Vegas to help them, like, build a, a more competitive team quicker? A bit more lax than they were in the past? Yeah, huh? But also, you don't want to have a team in Vegas, have them suck for a while, and then, oh, well, we have to move to Winnipeg. See Thrashers, comma, Atlanta. You don't want to have that. Now, I don't think when the NHL set this up, they thought, oh, well, this is definitely a team that's going to make it to the Stanley Cup in its first year in the conference finals a bunch of times and be very close to another trip to the Stanley Cup. And you know why they didn't? Because no one thought that. You look at what they are getting from teams. You look what Seattle is going to be getting from teams. It's not, all right, free for all, just try to fit everything under the cap and we're going to extend the cap a little bit. I understand the cap rules have been laxed for Vegas a little bit and that is how you can acquire some of this talent, but it's not like they can just pick top line players off of every team. What Vegas has done, like, we forget William Carlson was not a household name five years ago. Jonathan Marcheseau, ditto, uh, was in the, the analytics community, but what happened with Vegas... Did they get handed a championship team? It would appear that they were handed something close to a championship team. But it wasn't the NHL who handed it to them. It was GMs who panicked and made some bad trades with Vegas. And also, it was Vegas stealing some very good players away as well. Like, this is... They didn't have the cream of the crop to pick from, and they still were able to get these fantastic players. And then, like, look at going into this season. Who has been the top player for, for Vegas? Well, that would be Mr. Stone. And how did they get Stone? Well, they weren't handed him. They had to make a trade to acquire this player. How did they get Max Pacioretty? Well, they were not handed this player. They had to make a trade, which, by the way, one of the pieces of that trade is playing against them in a high-leverage role right now. It's not like they just decided one day, hey, we're going to get Max Pacioretty. Oh, we're going uh, to get Stone. It didn't work that way. They they made these trades and gave up legitimate assets to acquire these pieces. And I understand, like, did they have a bit more cap flexibility than some other teams did at the beginning? Yeah, huh? But now, when you look at it, looks uh, looks pretty cap compliant to me. It's still a team that fits in under NHL rules right now. And at the beginning of the season. The guy who is standing on his head, kicking ass for these guys, the, the dude who's a, a Vesna nominee, and um, like if Vegas goes on to win, could be the Conn Smythe Trophy winner, was a guy who, in the offseason, people were saying, me included, that you would need to attach a pick to him to get rid of that contract. And now, he has this team within three wins of going to the Stanley Cup. And when he gets drafted by Vegas in the expansion draft, it was obvious that Pittsburgh was going to, to give him up and you were basically just picking him up off the scrap heap. So stop with the, oh, well, Vegas was handed a championship team. They were, but that's because all the other GMs in the league were dumb enough to hand it to them instead of actually figuring out what they had in guys like Alex Tuck and guys like Jonathan Marcheseau and guys like Chandler Stevenson and guys like William Carrier. Vegas may have taken a championship team from these GMs, but it's not because the league—it's not because the league offices let them. It's because the league's teams let them do that. So just stop with it. Uh, that was a tough loss for Montreal, though. Back in Game One, they're getting ready for Game Two tonight, and it was just so 
it had to be so just deflating. They played an almost perfect first period and were down one nothing because of an, a, a bad icing and a faceoff loss. And faceoffs are going to be such a crucial part of this series because you saw a couple of goals that Vegas scored off of plays on the faceoff and Montreal's power play effectiveness based a lot off of the face like that that faceoff dot is going to be a crucial part of this series. But I I I think Montreal comes away from that game saying, "Hey, we played pretty well." And still lost. And that's going to be a very difficult pill for them to swallow because their perfect might still not be enough to beat this Vegas Golden Knights team. That is going to do it for Couch Potato Diary today. Had a lot of fun breaking down that NBA stuff. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to it. If you did, leave us a review. If you didn't, leave it, leave us one as well. I, I want to know what you like about the show and what you don't like about the show so we can try to improve this thing so that more people like the show so that I can do this more times. If you want to get in contact with the show, you can email us, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. Twitter and Instagram, I am primetimekline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. Most of our interviews go up on YouTube. Just search Couch Potato Diary or uh, primetimekline1. The music that you're listening to provided by Wasted Talent. Check out their new song, Drowning, out now. Check out their producer on Instagram, at Tommy Fresh music if you haven't heard enough from me our general history podcast we had no idea drops every wednesday morning that's today uh this week we talk genghis khan so check that one out now you can also follow that show on instagram at we had no idea podcast one more show left this week it is friday hoping that the big surprise we have planned pans out um as we have another big show we have some ufc reaction to to go through and also a wwe pay-per-view that we're gonna yell about so looking forward to all of that when i talk to you guys on friday i'm out